the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at BDR Dangle. That's D E N G E L. My right-hand man, Jack Wright. I am so excited, Jack, to talk about our interview that we just had. The podcast hasn't dropped yet, but it's going to be great. You can find Jack at jwrightbdr. Brendan Chagru, yes, he's here. St. Ambrose University. I think I called it college last time. Brendan, I apologize to you. I apologize to St. Ambrose, you know, college, university, Either way, I'd never heard of it before you said anything. So maybe I feel a little bit bad now. That's fair. That's fair. Go bees. You can find him at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. And folks, we are joined by a very special guest this evening. Uh, Jack and I, man, Dan, this is this is going way back. We have been friends mm-hmm. for a very long time. He has the great misfortune, though, of being a Vikings fan living in Bear <laughs> territory. Uh, so, yes. Dan, thank you so much for being a part of the Bear Down Report podcast. My pleasure. Been looking forward to it for a long time. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 67 years. With five barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, they have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to sheridansbarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137. Dan, I mean, you could maybe use a cut. Here's what you do. You want to book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. So, Dan, before we get into it, let's just talk really quick. Um, Mm -hmm. What is it like being a Vikings fan living in Bear Territory? Uh, It's a, you know, it's a a daily struggle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I grew up in downstate Illinois, where it's like smack in between St. Louis and and, um, Chicago and with you know, Minnesotan parents. And so I learned to love the Vikings from an early age. And, you know, it's kind of halfway between the St. Louis Cardinals at the time uh, when they were in, in, you know, a, a football team um, and, um, and the, the Bears. So I never, you know, gained a, a appreciation for either team and, you know, gained a definite appreciation for the Vikings. And then when I came up here to go to college and uh, yeah, surrounded myself with Bear fans 24 seven. So I have learned to uh, learn to love it. <laughs> um, you know, my, my, most of my cousins and so on live up in the twin cities and, and they feel, uh, I think similar about Packer fans, um, with regard to the people who are, are, uh, surrounding them and causing them constant anxiety. Um, but you know, but it, it's been, uh, it's been a burden that I've had and chosen to bear over time. I guess that was an unintended pun, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So well played. Right. right. I don't know if I've ever told you about the time that Dan and I went to a Vikings game up at the yes. old stadium. And I'm telling you, you know, we, we know Dan well. He, he's even keeled. Right? His temperament <laughs> is, is pretty chill. Ryan, you would not recognize Dan Iverson at a Vikings game. I mean, yep. he loses his mind fandom. It's, it was yep. so great. And especially yep. at that yep. game, because of the play that I bet most of our listeners will remember yeah, where Culpepper threw it to Moss about yep. 70 yards down the field and Moss tossed it over his right shoulder. No look pass. No look pass yep. to another yep. Viking 
Yeah. So the score at the end of the half. Yep. Yeah. It closed out the first half. Oh. That was what it's. You can find it on YouTube. Yeah. We, yeah. We saw, yes. It was amazing. Yeah. And and the behavior you describe is honest to God makes it a miracle that I'm still married. Um, you know, at, at the end of the, at, at the end of the day, cause what you saw that day is I, I'm embarrassed. I mean, that's like every Sunday, you know, or, or Monday night as it was last night, but, uh, I loved um, it. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. That was like so fun, right? Like you gotta let it yes. go sometimes. Yep. And, and, and Vikings games are that time for me, uh, every, every week, uh, 16 or, or I guess now 17 weekends a year and then hopefully playoffs, but who knows? <laughs> Well, let's get into it, Dan. Why did the Vikings yep. beat the Bears yesterday? Well, you know, last night was a weird game, right? I mean, um, it, it was a game that that nobody appeared to want to win, and yet everyone was playing really, really hard. Um, and so, in fact, stupidly hard at times. And so, um, yeah, you know, I think it, it, to me it was a, a matter of the Bears politely refusing a number of opportunities the Vikings gave them to, you know, win the game. Um I guess like a polite host should do. And, um, you know, and so as a result, um, as a Vikings fan, I appreciated it. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, yeah, it was just a, I mean, in all seriousness, it was, it was a sloppy game, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like I was trying to figure out how I could describe it without just becoming kind of nauseated, but, um, you know, overall, um, I thought both, defensive lines played really well. Like I thought the bears defensive line played amazingly uh, well. I mean, they, they covered up what essentially were traffic cones in the secondary. Um, and I, I thought that was really pretty impressive. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, the ability of the bears to shoot themselves in the foot was like astonishing to me. I mean, as, as a Vikings fan, I'm like, well, we'll take it, but Holy smokes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I honest to God felt for you guys as I was watching that going, oh, my God, like the, the Vikings are doing everything they can to not win this game and are yet winning, you know, by two touchdowns, even until the very last play of the game. So, so yeah, I think it was really of, of um, who was going to be less inept. And unfortunately for you guys, there's less than I think. Dan, we talk a lot about Kirk Cousins, uh, mm-hmm. our, our feelings about him. Uh, sometimes being the mayor of crazy town. Uh, but a, a, as a, as a Vikings fan, can you kind of yep. tell us like, how do you feel about that? It seems like Viking fans are kind of on the fence about him, especially with his contracts. How do you feel about that situation? Well, his contract's ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that one's hard to, to argue. I mean, if he's, I think he's worth $42 million next year, uh, part of the contract. I mean, um, I, I, I don't know what they're going to do next year. I mean, they, I think, you know, the big talk is, is I think, you know, they got to trade him, but I, who the hell would pay that kind of, I mean, who, who would, who would do that? You know, I mean, they're going to have to pay, that's a huge percentage of the entire team and salary cap. And I, I don't know who, who would do that. Um, but that being said, I like Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I actually, I, I, I like him. Um, I think he's a, a good guy. I, although I take the mayor of crazy town, sort of a, a thing. I think I get that. Um, but overall, I, I, I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a top half of the league quarterback with relative consistency, although 87 yards last night was rough. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, again, you know, I think, I think short of one of the few elite quarterbacks in the league, I, I would, I, you know, I'm okay with him being the starting quarterback. I'm not okay with paying 40 mil, 42 mil for him next year. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, and, and they don't have another option. I mean, uh, Sean Mannion's their backup. Totally not an option as a starter. 
Um, and Kellen Mond, they drafted in the third round, and I think they feel like he might be okay, but, I mean, he hasn't seen the field and shouldn't this year. Um, so I think he's a, a year or two away from even being able to see whether or not he could do anything, and he might not. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of screwed for next year, <laughs> I think, well, one way or the other. But um, but for now, I mean, I they've got, what, three games left? If they can make the playoffs, I, I honest to God, they can beat anyone. The Vikings can beat anyone. They also, as they proved against the Lions, can lose to anyone. <laughs> it's a genuine sort of a roulette table sort of experience uh, at this point. And lucky for you, you get another game against mm-hmm. the Bears because yes. clearly, I mean, <laughs> after seeing last night's game, it should be yeah. a cakewalk at this point. <laughs> well, you'd think, but um, I mean, again, like I said, the Vikings, I, they, they, I don't know why they left Mason Cole, their right guard, one-on-one with Akeem Hicks, like the whole night. I mean, that was – I don't know what they were thinking. Like that was uh, – I mean, Akeem Hicks is a, a, an amazing – he's a really good player. Um, and so, you know, and, and again, I think he, along with that, the, the play of the defensive line as a whole, kept him in it. And, I mean, and the, the Bears did play really hard. I mean, as far as that goes, for whatever reason, I mean, I guess interdivisional games, the Vikings, it's never an easy victory either way. All right, so so Dan Dalvin Cook walks into this game with 200 rushing yards the week before, and Justin Jefferson is just—I mean, he's he's top three wide receiver in the league right now. Both kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, Dalvin Cook did end up with 89 yards, but a 3.2 yard average is not is not what what I think Viking fans expect from him. Justin Jefferson, only 47 yards, that touchdown to, you know, kind of start the game. But why did they struggle so much? Again, I think it, I mean, again, I I would give credit to the, the, you know, the Bears defensive line. Um, I I think the line really owned the Vikings offensive line. And I mean, as far as in the, in the um, uh, instance of, of Justin Jefferson, I mean, Cousins just never had any time. And Cousins is, like I said, he's a good quarterback. He's a top half of the league quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback and doesn't have, you know, that consistently awesome release. And, and again, it made, it made what was essentially a JV secondary look really good last night. I mean, and so I, I think that was part of it. I think with Dalvin cooks in particular, I don't, I don't know what the heck he has like some attraction to Akeem Hicks. Cause when he runs, he just runs right into Akeem Hicks. I mean, and, 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 he, and that wasn't just last night. That was, I mean, multiple times last year. I mean, he just, for whatever reason, um, and I don't know if that's a stupid scheming on the part of the, the offensive coordinator. And, and again, the Vikings have a new offensive coordinator this year who's never done it before. And he's been real uneven. So I, I, I mean, I think there's some serious questions about whether or not he's cut out for this in the long haul, but he's got a famous dad. I mean, you know, Clint Kubiak. So yeah, I, I would say that, that uh, certainly part of it was really, really good play from the, the Bears defensive line, uh, but some of it was really silly scheming in terms of, again, why not double team picks? I mean, I, I don't understand why that wasn't done uh, with real regularity, but that, that was, that was rough to watch for sure as a Vikings fan last night. So I had uh, Jefferson on my, my fantasy team and, and that, um, that was rough. <laughs> does he did score a touchdown. Job, does, does Zimmer's job depend on the postseason? That's a good question. I think most people in, in Minnesota think so. Um, you know, I think that, that so I, I guess I would say probably it does. Um, I'm not so sure it does. I, I actually kind of like Zimmer too. I mean, I, I don't, I don't dislike him as much. Um, I think he's a good fundamental coach. I think there are, I mean, I, I, he, he needs to get somebody in charge of the offense that can provide some stability for the offense. Um, you know, as far as that goes, I think 
their defense is, is you know, uh, for the injuries they've suffered this year, I, mean, I thought the defense played pretty well last night overall. I thought they played, I mean, again, the Bears helped them a, a lot as far as that goes, but I thought the defense played well. I thought the defense has generally been okay in spite of injuries over the last couple of years. Last year, they were awful against the run. I mean, that's for sure, but they were out. I mean, they were down to practice squad guys at that point too. Uh, so I think Zimmer's solid that way. I just think um, they got to get some, you know, some stability on the offensive side of the ball. But that being said, that may not be enough to save his job. I mean, if, if they don't go to the playoffs, that may not be enough to save his job. But, and actually, I would get that at that point. I mean, he's been around since 2014. You know, he's, he's well-tenured. He's had a lot of chances to, you know, to take bites at the apple, so to speak. And, you know, I like him, but it, it yeah, he may be out. Dan, I have one last very important question for you. If given the opportunity right in front of you right now today, I were to hand to you, you know, that normal Oreo, the chocolate Oreo, that, that boring Oreo, or the <laughs> golden Oreo, Dan, which Oreo would you choose? Uh, the golden one. <laughs> Dan Iverson for the win. Patrick Sheldon is not with us tonight. I, Patrick, that one is for you, buddy. Uh, Dan, yeah. that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, sorry, apparently, Jack. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's, that, it's okay. Like, aside yeah. from that and you being a yeah. Vikings fan, I really yeah. like you. You're pretty great. <laughs> well, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, well, absolutely. That. Uh, yeah. Well, another segment that we sometimes do is unpopular opinions. Yes. Curious, do you have a specific uh, unpopular opinion? Well, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. Uh, one that gets on my kids' nerves all the time um, is that I, I, it, it, I'm upset by texts that aren't grammatically correct. And so when, when people text me and they don't capitalize properly, they don't put periods at the end of sentences or use punctuation properly, it, it bugs me. And, and so I think, you know, you can take the extra second or two that it takes to do that and to pay homage to the English language um, by just by just being correct on your text. That's, that's you know, I, I so, think that would be real unpopular, right? Because I think yeah. most of the world texts shorthand and and not not, not they don't speak good English. Right. Yeah. I use paragraphs in my texts. Wow. <laughs> when it, when it's wow. necessary. Yes. I, I break paragraphs. So, you know, that's, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so well, yeah, but, but that's unpopular, I think. Yes. Dan, we want to say thank you so much for, for giving up your time to talk about the Vikings. And, you know, I, I, I think when we, when we talk, uh, as bears fans, I, I don't I don't hate the Vikings the same way that I hate the Lions or I hate the the Packers. And so, you know, I am I'm hoping you guys can can somehow find a way into the playoffs and uh, you know, maybe, maybe knock off that team up north, maybe somehow, some way. Well, I beat him once this year so far. And so I got, got another chance at Lambeau in two weeks. I appreciate that. And um, you know, it was it's funny. I, I spent the a whole day where the Vikings lost to the lions in a car driving nine hours with a friend of mine. Who's a lions fan. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it was terrible. I mean, like, like, like mortifyingly God awful, terrible, but the whole time we were talking about the various, because the whole time, like the Vikings are down 20 to three or something like that. And I'm, and the, the lions fan is going, they're going to blow this. They're going to blow this. I'm like, well, no, no, the Vikings, you know, again, they underachieve. They can lose to anybody. This is, you know, then, of course, the Vikings come all the way back. They take the lead. 
and then of course give it up in the last second um, again. So I mean, the whole it was like all of the basic NFC North like fan anxieties of those two teams coming together in one game. Um, you know, and then you add to that, like last night's performance by the Bears, that's the anxiety. And then you think of Packer fans and you think what their anxiety is the fact that they've only had two starting quarterbacks since the you know early Clinton administration. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I hate those guys. <laughs> I, 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 I hate the Green Bay Packers. And so, yes, I, I can feel very, very comfortable um, in, in a safe space with you guys on that one for sure. We, we will always have that, Dan. We'll always yes. have that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Dan Iverson, we just want to say thank you so much for your time. Uh, talking Bears, talking Vikings. And uh, like I said, good luck with the rest of the way, buddy. Hey, th- thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, good luck with the Bears, except for, you know, Week 18. thanks Dan Dan. good to have you on man all right have a good one Merry Christmas you too same to you all right we got Dan's breakdown of the game we got a Vikings fans breakdown but you know what that is time for it is time for Brendan's breakdown let's hear it baby all right boys you know what it's uh it's Christmas season so I decided to take a little bit different turn with this breakdown at least from my traditional breakdown. So I hope you enjoy this little ditty that I wrote. The Bears game. It was so lame. They lost to the Vikes. And who is to blame? Nagy killed us with bad fourth down calls. Receivers can't seem to stop dropping balls. Christ, this team is not fine. Losing 17 to 9. Well done. I, I, I don't I don't got to put any music to that. I mean, that OK, Brendan. I, OK, I'm going to say this. I, you know, I, I Jack already knows this. I was in a band. I was a singer in the band. And every time he does it in his thing, I was like, Brendan needs to sing a little bit more. Obviously, you've got good pitch. You're you're a musician and I understand. But but just dude, there we go. Bravo. I, don't, I, I honestly don't sing either. I just kind of just go for it. And hopefully I don't sound like an ass, but thank you. Thank you. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I thought about, I was like, after watching the game last night, it was just so nothing happened. I mean, really like there was pizza, there was mispronunciations, there was bad offense on both sides. I was like, how am I going to really like tie this up? And I'm like, you know what, let's do a Christmas carol. Uh, Brian Greasy, uh, did he ever say the right name for any player that was, I mean, I, I still think they're better than, than Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were, but woof, he can't, he can't get it right ever. We've talked about having local, local guys, you know, I just, it seemed like they didn't do their homework. It seemed like they didn't know the team very well. There's so many, so much politics that seemed to go on, you know, with, you know, who's a, friend of Nagy, who's a friend of Pace, kind of, you know, amongst a lot of other things, I'm a little weary of that. It just feels weird. To, it's a, it's It would be like, you know, bringing in a soccer guy to call a baseball game. Sometimes it just feels like, yes, they are experts in their field, but they don't know this team uh, as well as we do. So it makes it pretty awkward sometimes. 
I also thought it was weird how they were really leaning into a Bears Vikings rivalry. Like, did you hear Steve Levy call it like five times? He's like, well, these teams don't like each other one bit. I'm like, yeah, they're division rivals, but like, I mean, I there's been more bad blood with the Bears and Lions in the last 10 years than Bears and Vikings. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I I think that might be the Jim Schwartz era when that dude, I mean, just he had some of the dirtiest players, some of the dirtiest plays. That guy just, I am not a fan. And I think that was a big part of it for me, at least was I don't like the Detroit lions because of that. And now I just, you know, I feel bad for them, but Jack and I were talking, there's a chance that they might finish with a better record than the bears this season. I was thinking that too, actually, because when they won again against the Cardinals, I'm like, man, we are really close. Like I thought the lions had that last, that seller position locked and loaded in the division, but they're, they're creeping up and it terrifies me. Hand it to Dan Campbell. He's, he's, he's keeping it. He's keeping it competitive. All right, boys, there's a lot to talk about. So much to talk about. We're going to actually keep uh, our recap of the game quite a bit shorter than normal. Uh, we, we got to hear a lot from Dan and I think Dan echoed some of the things that we were already going to say, and we're going to do that, but we had some huge interviews, one of which has already dropped and Brendan, I'm going to talk you up, hype you up. Cause it was a, it was a fun interview, but there's also a, a giant elephant in the room is there's only three voices right now. Patrick Sheldon is down for the count. Uh, he is not feeling well, and you know he's not feeling well if, if he was not going to get a chance to rail on the McCaskies, rail on Maggie. Um, and so we're just, Shells, if, if you happen to be listening, buddy, we're, we're hoping that you're feeling better soon. Boys, I'd like to do this. Let's go. We're going to go outhouse and penthouse in just a second, um, but let's try to keep it somewhat brief because I think there's big picture questions about this team that I would like to spend a little bit more time talking about. Regardless, we're still going to talk about this team. So it is time for the outhouse and the penthouse. Hey guys, have you thought about your new year's resolutions yet? I mean, we're getting close to this January 1st, 2022. Have you guys thought about that? I don't generally make them because I don't generally keep them. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Well, if you're thinking about making a big resolution, that could be possibly buying or selling a new property. And if you are, in fact, going to do that, you need to visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn more about how our guy Jeff Cadwalder with App Properties can help you. Jeff is a third generation realtor, and he knows that you need experience when it matters most. Jeff provides a ton of information and market insight without any pressure so you can make an informed decision about your next real estate experience. All you have to do is visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn more, or you can call or text him at 630-254-4734 to speak directly with Jeff himself. All right, boys, let's do this. Let's go outhouse. There's a lot in the outhouse. I mean, a whole lot in the outhouse. For the outhouse, we are going to go Jack Wright, Brennan Chagru, and I will finish it up. Outhouse, boys. I am putting a Pro Bowl without Roquan Smith in the deepest, dirtiest, dingiest, most disgusting overpass bathroom crap hole you can find because I, I don't understand. I mean, okay, it's a popular popularity contest. The game itself isn't very good. I'm not really sure that the players like going, but you know, there's some money involved and there's some, you know, rep involved. Graham senior is going to get paid now because he's in the pro bowl. Why? I mean, 
I'm not even sure he should be in it for a single play. And yet you've got Roquan Smith, who is third in the NFL in tackles. He is, he's got three sacks on the year. He's got a pick six. I can't think of linebackers that are better than him. And yet he's not in the Pro Bowl. He might still make it as guys bow out and so forth. But I don't understand why this man doesn't get the respect across the league because the Bears are in prime time. The numbers just came up like this was the most watched Monday night football game in decades. And yet Roquan Smith gets no love. I'm putting definitely, definitely putting a Pro Bowl without Roquan Smith in the outhouse. Brendan, before you hop in there, we're just going to we're going to spoil it right now who the big interview that's coming up later this week is. Jack and I got to talk to Gary Fensick, the Bears all-time leader in interceptions, uh, played safety in the 1985 season, uh, that, that January 26th Super Bowl. And I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say you got a big fan of Roquan Smith and Gary Fensick, which if, <laughs> if he's going to mention a player and he's talking about Roquan, I, our, our opinions are what they are, but, but that guy, when he talked about Roquan, folks, we're going to give you so many little teasers to that interview. You have to check it out as soon as it drops. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't wait to hear that. I mean, just hearing from a Super Bowl champion and somebody as, as revered as Gary Fensick. I mean, he's, he's been the talk of the town really for the last few months in terms of potential front office organizational changes and somebody who could potentially have a role or at least be an advisor there. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm sure you guys did an awesome job. My outhouse, I was going to put the commentators in there, but we mentioned them a little bit. I'll still give them an honorable mention because Brian Greasy, look, we love what you did in 2007, bringing back the Bears again in that comeback against the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe your headset went out again, man, because you just cannot pronounce anybody's name right. And again, you, you were blaming Justin Fields for a receiver drop. Like I, I need more Lewis Riddick and less Brian Greasy. And just the whole operation was just really shoddy. So, but my true outhouse goes to Matt Nagy's temper tantrums. A lot of people were really excited and fired up that Matt Nagy was finally showing emotion on the sidelines. But when you're a coach that is just drowning and clearly sees the writing on the wall it just looks like really annoying antics. I mean, sure. The first one where he's arguing for a flag that should have been thrown. Okay, fine. I get that. But then he's going all game long and he's being super dramatic with throwing the challenge flag. And I'm just like, man, this isn't you like this. This is just some show, some circus trying to put on a show for the fans that I understand that Matt Nagy does care. I truly believe that. But this was just so weird. I, I didn't care for it. I thought just at times it was a little too much, just like that try-hard coach that just really wants to make his point across. And we're like, okay, man, we get it. We get it. Your coaching still sucks, but now you're making an ass out of yourself on the sideline, and it just isn't helping your cause. Absolutely. It reeked of desperation. It, it's not like, you know, don't take your eye off the ball, Bears fans. It's not like all of a sudden Matt Nagy is a good coach because he's standing up for his players and childishly chucking the challenge flag on the ground in, in front of the officials. And the only other thing I would say, and I, I just think, you know, again, he's a bit of a lost, overwrought, beleaguered man right now. But, you know, it was not that long ago that he was talking about 
you know, how unsportsmanlike penalties or taunting, how taunting, I just don't like it. You know, I just, there's kids watching the game and I, you know, we just want to have respect for the game because they're watching. All right. Well, the way in which he was talking to that official, that was more than just like a chew out. Like I, I seriously thought that it was, it was aggressive in nature. And, and I like a good, you know, uh, manager, umpire, bump chest arguments and baseball and so forth. But there was something different and vicious about that. And I know there was F, you know, F bombs dropped. Yeah. It, it just, it, 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 you're right. It, it didn't play well and it, it reeks of desperation. So Matt Nagy was, was flagged for that. Actually, he received a personal foul for that language to the official and after the game in the pool report. So for those that don't know, the bears send one reporter to talk with the officials and it was asked like, what did Matt Nagy say? And I'm not going to read the quote entirely, but essentially what it was, was there was inappropriate language that I deemed it went too far and I'm not going to repeat that language. So I'm wondering, did it go further? And like, I'm not, I I don't want to speculate. I'm not saying it did, but like, did it go further than an F-bomb? Did it become like something personal? Could it have been some sort of slur or something? We have no idea. And just to kind of hear a ref say that, I'm like, my, my antenna's up. That's that's kind of concerning. So, and like you said, after hearing him rail on the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties from a few weeks back, it's not a good look at all. I'm going to totally disagree with you guys. I am about to take a total meatball stance. I loved it. I loved it. This officiating, I ask this every single week. Is this getting worse and worse and worse? And I and it's it's not just Bears games. Like I'm I'm reading it from from other fan bases. I think a part of it is is some of the penalties that that the NFL has decided to enforce. But but watching some of the things that they said, you know, like the unsportsmanlike conduct for for the you know helmet to helmet contact when there was no helmet to helmet contact. Uh, when they said that you know it was a a, a vicious what is it called it a chop block or something when, when dude's going to tackle angle, like, what are you talking about? And it finally, here's a guy that I, here's a guy, right. That we know for sure is going to get fired. He knows he's gone. There's no question about it. And you know what, dude, you're going to get fined for it. And in my attitude is I'm going to get fired. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say what I think. I'm going to say what I feel. And you know what? He went for it. I think Matt Nagy is a terrible football coach. Everybody knows that I have said that for weeks. I've said it for a, a year, I think at this point on this podcast, right? I don't like Matt Nagy as a coach. I think he seems like a super good dude. Um, and I totally understand his frustration. And I, th- I thought it was a giant middle finger to this officiating crew, which needed it. This officiating has been atrocious. And I liked seeing him a little bit fired up. I don't like the fact that it bled over into making some really stupid penalties. Travis Gibson punching somebody, walking back five yards to punch somebody. Dude, just let it go and move on. But, you know, Tevin Jenkins, right? Like, I'm not going to steal that one because I think someone might talk about it in in the penthouse. But I'm just going to tell you guys, like, this is a time that I actually found myself applauding Matt Nagy, and I have not done that in two years. So, I disagree. Sorry, guys. I, I loved it. I loved every second of it. And my outhouse is going to be the NFL officiating. I'm sick of asking the question, is this the worst officiating I've ever seen? I know we usually have like one or two weeks every season where we ask that, but I can't remember a time when it's five or six games in a row when I'm asking, is this the worst that we've seen? This is this, this is other than 
when we had replacement refs that were division three football refs, this is the worst officiating I have ever seen as a football fan. And I'm sick of it for the penthouse. Let's reverse it just a little bit. And this time we're going to go Brendan, Jack, and I will finish it up. My penthouse goes to the bears rookies. I mean, and I, I, I was a little critical of Justin Fields yesterday because I think he did. He has some things he can improve on, especially with just his pocket awareness and everything. But if I'm lumping everybody from Fields, Jenkins, Thomas Graham, I mean, Daz Newsome, look, he got on the field. I'll give him that. But I feel pretty good about this Bears rookie class. I mean, what Thomas Graham did last night was unbelievable. His NFL debut, he was flying all over the field. He had no starting defensive backs with him. And he just showed like he belonged in the league. Tevin Jenkins starting his first game at left tackle. Yes, he had a couple false starts. He went, he went Leroy Jenkins when he should go Tevin Jenkins by leaving early a couple times. But in terms of his blocking, that dude is a bad MFer. And he's showing you not only just whether it's right as the whistle's blowing when he's blowing Anthony Barr out of the frame, but he's sticking up for Justin Fields. He's getting in the defensive the defensive lineman's face, like, hey, you can't do that to my quarterback. I mean, I, I appreciated it. I know a lot of people are like, you can't do that. I'm more mad at Jermaine Effetti going after Tevin Jenkins than I am for Tevin Jenkins. But I'm really pleased with how the Bears rookies are showing out the last few games here. And I think it's imperative that we see what exactly they can do. I'm not sure if it's enough to potentially save Ryan Pace's job, but I mean, if you can see that you have a bona fide starter in Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins shows that he's really going through the learning curve and, you know, showing that he can show out for the next few games, Thomas Graham, he's got to be a starter and then put Daz Newsome as a specialist or as a receiver, see what he's got. I mean, all these guys, there's potential here. So I'll put them in the penthouse. They deserve it. It's great points. I, before the show, Ryan and I were talking a little bit about giving Jesper a, a try. Why, why are you playing, you know, why do you continue to play Graham? You know, so I think you nailed it, Brendan. This is an opportunity, if nothing else, for some of those folks to show up and show out, you know, and then you're going to know exactly what you have so that you put it on film for whoever the next coach is. So, yeah, I think the rookies really did show up. That was pretty great. In my penthouse, uh, Matt Nagy challenged a call. He was stalking up the sidelines angrily. It was dead quiet. The announcers weren't saying a word. And somebody from the stands shouted, after further review, we suck. And that guy is in my penthouse because that was awesome. And I, it was just so great because it just, go listen to it if you haven't heard it. It's all over. You know, just you can Google it. It's on Twitter. And it was the dead silence of it combined with it coming through the microphones onto the TV feed was just pretty fantastic. We're going to go into some more deep analysis later. And I've, I've got some more legit things to say about, you know, this game. But, but you know what? You got to have some fun. And that was after further review, we suck. I heard that live and that was just, that made my night. It was so perfect. My penthouse. And I wish Sheldon was here. I like, I, I, there, I was salivating. There's so many things that I want to talk to him specifically about. Not that I don't love Brendan and Jack, but there's just certain things that I know stances that he has. And one of which he does not like Cole Komet. And I'm 
done with it. I'm done with the Cole Komet hate. This is his second year. Tight end is one of the most difficult positions to learn in the NFL. If you look at some of the top tier NFL tight ends, uh, they, they didn't flourish until their third or fourth or fifth season. And he has been not great at times. He has had a couple drops, but who hasn't had a couple drops on this team that catch would be touchdown in the back of the end zone. That was a poorly thrown football. Komet didn't really have a shot at it at any way. So he goes six receptions for 71 yards. He's really starting to carve out a role. Uh, the one catch over the middle, I think you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. He just went up to get it and you just saw, okay, this is the big playability of this guy. Uh, Jack and I were so fortunate. We've had two conversations on this podcast with Matt Lacoste. Matt Lacoste has played tight end uh, currently for the New England Patriots, but also has played for the Giants. And Denver. And so the so guy has played in the NFL and we talked about him and he, he, he ranted and raved about Komet and said, Hey, you are a receiver and you are an offensive lineman and you have to shift back and forth. And so you have to learn all of those things from both positions. And it's incredibly difficult. And I get that he isn't perfect. He's, he's not, you know, the, the, the giant playmaker that everybody wants, but I like Cole Komet and I'd like to see more of him. He's the victim of expectations that were too high. Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey. He's not, he's sure-handed. He's all the things that you said he was. So I won't go back over that, but he's not real agile. He doesn't have any evasiveness. He, he can't make a, a second move after he catches the ball. He's going to lower his shoulder. He's going to be that tight end. And there's a good, like, we need that tight end. You know, there's only two guys, I think, in the league, maybe three that have like that Kelsey model. Um, that's to me, that's like, that's an aberration. I, I think, and I'm, of course, biased because he's a Notre Dame alumni, but I think he's going to be really good. Last thing I'll say, he's a really good blocker for a tight end. He's not an offensive lineman blocker, but he's a good enough blocker. All right, gentlemen. I know that there are a lot of other thoughts about this game, but I think, at least I hope to some degree, we, we understand that this team isn't going anywhere. They have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about the future of this team. So what I want to do first is go back to a topic which I think we're all pretty familiar with, Matt Nagy. Do we believe that he has coached one of his very last games. Uh, do we think that he's going to fire, be fired in season? Are the Bears going to wait on this with the new rule? They can they can get rid of both the GM now and the head coach uh, and, and start their search early. Uh, what are we kind of thinking about this? And and literally, if I just say Matt Nagy, you have parting thoughts for this guy. Let's go, Jack Brennan, and I will finish it up. Boy, this is a that's a big that's a lot of like layers to peel back, right? That's quite the onion. I mean, Ryan, you and I talked. I couldn't sleep last night after the game. I I couldn't make my brain stop. I was disappointed. I was frustrated. I was angry. We talked to one of the greatest bears to ever walk Hallis Hall, to ever don the uniform. He's classy. He played at the highest level. He picked off Joe Montana twice in a game. He loves the Bears. He loves their fans. He's well-spoken. We went from that interview, 
which reminded me about all the things I love about the Chicago Bears and why I'm a fan. We went from that interview and then we watched the game that we saw. And, and, and those two things for me, back to back, I was shook. I, I was so, here's what I was, Ryan, and I texted this to you and, and Brennan. I was embarrassed. And, and you talk, like, I, I don't throw that term around. I think a lot of people, this is an embarrassing loss or that's, you know, truly I was embarrassed at the level that Matt Nagy was unhinged and that the level to which his players were unhinged. And so to me, that was the display, the final display that was needed to show that he needs to be fired, whether that is, you know, with the two weeks remaining or whether that's at the end of the season, if he's not fired, I will be, I will be shocked because I feel like all of those, uh, all of that responsibility falls on him. He's responsible for it. And, uh, and we need to find somebody else uh, as soon as possible. Brendan made the great point, you know, do you fire him with two weeks in the, you know, in the season and let the current GM pick the new guy, or do you just send them both out of town, you know, after the season's over and then you just, you start whatever process you're going to start. I guess I, I would, I would rather see them both go personally at the end of the season. Matt Nagy is a hundred percent fired at the end of the season. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There is no late season winning streak. There's no last gasp for a playoff spot. There's a double digit loss season. The bears have been eliminated from playoff contention. They haven't been really competitive in many of these last games. I mean, this game was served up on a silver platter for them to upset and they still couldn't do it. I mean, I had a tweet ready to go, just adding on to my list of how many games under Matt Nagy they failed to score an offensive touchdown. They had that last cast, literally last second touchdown to erase that. But hey, good for Jesper Horstead and Justin Fields to pad their stats a little bit. I, I Jack made a ton of great points, and I, I think you do you do have to think about whether you do want to fire him within a few weeks if you are bringing back Ryan Pace. I don't think they're sold on that. And I am wondering if, depending on these final weeks, if that could sway the McCaskies with Ryan Pace, depending on how Fields looks, depending on how the rest of the rookie class looks. Because, I mean, there are there are some arguments to be made that Ryan Pace has had some decent drafts and found some gems. I'm not buying it personally because there's a lot of holes. So I see him, unfortunately, just getting fired at the end of the season. And I say unfortunately because you just have to go through this song and dance for the next few weeks. It's, it, it's just unfortunate that it's the biggest elephant in the room and nothing's going to change until January 10th, I believe is the date. I, Ryan, you said something about like parting words for Matt Nagy, kind of like a, what, what would I want to say to him? I, I want to say I was bamboozled. I remember sitting down and watching the entire Matt Nagy press conference. And I was hooked. He got me. He got me hook, line, and sinker. I think there's a tweet out there that says, I think I love Matt Nagy. I, I, I just, I was so in on what he was doing. And I brushed aside what happened in the Kansas City, Tennessee game. I believed that he was going to be able to develop Mitchell Trubisky. I believed that he was the true effective leader that this team needed. And that was just, to me, that was cemented in 2018. I'd never seen anything like that from a first-time head coach. And then we talked about it a couple weeks ago. 
after the 2018 season, I feel like he was a victim of his own success. He couldn't evolve. He was stuck on these certain things that really in the grand, the grand scheme of things didn't matter too much. And, and I just want to say that you bamboozled me. You got me. You got us. Got all Bears fans because we we thought you were the real deal, most of us anyway. And just to see it completely fall apart three, four years later, just didn't think we'd be in the situation as soon as we would be. Five and 14 with more than seven days to prepare for a game. Now, I understand that there were some extenuating circumstances with COVID and everything else, but it, it's, it's time. I don't understand why the McCaskies are holding on to this. We don't fire a coach. And it's, it's time to see what, what can Chris Tabor do? It's time to, to Jack, as you mentioned earlier, Jimmy Graham, put done. You're done for the season. There's no point in seeing what you can do. You want to see what the young guys on this roster have and can they develop? You know, the one thing I will say about Ryan Pace is, you know, I, I am not the, the, the Ryan Pace lover, but he, but, but he's not the worst GM that's ever existed. And I, I think about this too, is if these picks work out with this draft and you're going to kick that guy out of here, that stings just a little bit. If, and I, I, that's a huge, if you get have your left tackle and your right tackle, you're, you're going to have a excellent complimentary running back. You could have potentially a starting cornerback and Oh, by the way, the quarterback, it's possible that you could have all of those in one draft gentlemen, that, that that's not a good draft. That's a, stellar draft that's a whole it's a whole bunch of if so so let's let's move on let's talk about something else i want to talk about a a topic and jack and i we moved away from the thread because i went into a taboo subject justin fields looked bad for three quarters he did not look good i say this and I want to make sure because I, I, I tweeted something about that and people got so upset. Like, oh my God, how dare you give up on him? I, what are you? Stop. Time out. Right. If, if people were listening to this and, you know, listening to the Bear Down Report podcast, I think, you know, at this point, we love this team, but we're not going to paint roses when there are nothing there. Dude has 12 fumbles. That's abysmal. He has 10 interceptions. Some of those are his fault. Some of those are not his fault, but he hasn't played well. Objectively, he hasn't played well. I think he has all the talents. I really want him to be the guy, but he had a bad game, especially for three quarters. And people that are, that are, that are defending him blindly or people that are railing on him blindly. I, I just, it's time to move on guys. Jack, Brennan, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I mean, just last night he was 26 for 39 with a touchdown, no interceptions, and a 96.6, you know, rating. Here's what I see in him. I see ice in the veins. I see toughness. He's intelligent. He's got a great football IQ, a great arm. He's incredibly accurate. He can make primary and secondary plays, and he has amazing escapability. He is responsible for his play on the field, but let's let's take a look at this very closely. You've got Mitchell Trubisky, and now you have Justin Fields. You put those two young, raw quarterbacks in the hands of Matt Nagy and his staff. 
and what has come out of that. And, and because we've already said so many times that he doesn't know how to develop players, or we've said, I've said, you know, he doesn't know how to put them in, in a good position. I'm going to focus on something specific. Think back to when we played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on a play action fake, faked the cameraman out, faked everybody on the Bears defense out, right? He, 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 he clearly made it look like it was going to be a run play, hid the ball, rolled out, beautiful pass wide open. These are the types of things that your head coach, the quarterback coach, and the offensive coordinator should be teaching a young quarterback. All of those guys have been in the NFL for quite a while. They know what the professional game looks like. So whose responsibility is it to teach Justin Fields how to effectively play fake? Just, just as a one example, and that that's one example of there's just probably a bevy of them if we were in film, you know, if we were on the practice field with him. Ultimately, I think you need to have a, an expert, professional, capable coach who's able to take, how does Justin Fields know how to play quarterback in the pros if he's not directed very carefully on how to play quarterback in the pros? Right now, he's playing quarterback in a house that's burning down. So I, I'm not sure how you gauge his ability. Is he responsible for his mistakes? Yes. Does he need to practice hard? Yes. But but I, I just think it's so clearly obvious now that do you think he would look like this with Josh McDaniels? Do you think he would look like this under Belichick? Do you think he would look like this, uh, you know, uh, with the LA Rams head coach? I don't. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. He might be raw. He might be rough, but not not like this. Okay, so I'm sensing, sensing like you know two sides here. I think Ryan's on one, Jack's on the other, and it's pretty. It could be easy for me to go in the middle. That's kind of what I want to do because I do see both sides of your arguments here. I tend to lean towards Ryan a little bit because Justin is the one on the field. And I think there's things, his accuracy, I'd say is pretty good for the most part. He had a couple throws that he missed. I mentioned it earlier. His pocket awareness just has to improve. It has to, he's, he's very indecisive about what he wants to do because he is so talented as an athlete. And we've seen it when he wants to commit to a run, he blazes past defenders when when he sees that it needs to be done i mean picking up first downs with ease but you see him too often try and extend plays move backwards try to get out of things and it's just some of those habits from college where hey yeah sometimes i can outrun a division one lineman but that's not happening at the nfl when you're 20 yards be past the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage excuse me his coaching is bad. We, we know this, we've seen this. I mean, it's kind of Mitchell Trubisky 2.0. I just see some of the same excuses coming up like, Oh, Mitch, you know, Mitch isn't coached. Mitch wasn't coached well, and he might be doing great in Buffalo. Now we don't really know that. I'm really trying to reserve all judgment from Justin Fields until we see something from next year. I haven't been like overly impressed the last few weeks. I see the the special throws, but again, I, I see a ton of mistakes too. And Jack, I know you mentioned the, the box score, I feel like that is kind of misleading since a lot of those yards and a lot of those completions came on the final two to three drives. Even that touchdown was the last play of the game that almost didn't count. So I I can't necessarily look at all the, all the box score stats. I mean, I know there's a ton of advanced stats out there and it's, it's great. You can go by QB rating, QBR, PFF, next gen stats, all that. What my eyes are telling me 
is I see a talented quarterback who can make all the plays, but doesn't know when to make those plays specifically. Some of that's on him. Some of that's on coaching. I I would think at this point in the season, after having a handful of starts under his belt, some of those mistakes would go away. I'm not necessarily seeing that. So I'm not concerned, but I'm also just not overly impressed with what we've seen yet. Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Deshaun Watson. Think of those guys as young dynamic quarterbacks that transcended bad coaching and bad schemes. And I have seen it in bits and pieces, but, but not at the same level as those guys. I want to make this abundantly clear. I have a Justin Fields Jersey. I've also got a Justin Fields t-shirt, right? I, I want, I want this to be the guy. I love all the things that you talked about, Jack. He, you're right. He's tough as nails. He definitely is a leader. He's unflappable. I love those things about him. But I also think we need to temper expectations a little bit and just, you know, people thinking that he is going to be, you know, the savior of this, this team for the next, you know, 20 years. Let's wait and see. Right. I, I just, I think objectively there's been moments where it hasn't been very good. Um, but, but there's been some moments where it has been really good. I just, I'm trying not to, to get Mitch Trubisky syndrome. This was me. You guys know without question, right? I, and if Logan was sitting right next to me and I, and I, and I said it out loud, they're going to get Deshaun Watson. And then they said, Mitch Trubisky. And I said, who? And I talked myself into it. The same thing happened with Matt Nagy. I, I put out on Facebook. Facebook is this social media site for old people that this is Mark Tressman 2.0. Mark Tressman 2.0. And people said, you're crazy. And then I talked just like Brendan. I talked myself into it. And so with this one, you know, I've got the jersey. I've got the t-shirt. I just want to try emotionally to just pump the brakes just a little bit and wait and see with this kid. I want him to be the guy, but I'm not as sure as I was with those other guys. Can I just give a PSA to bears fans? Because I, I think this is a good conversation we're having and it, it's, it's okay to criticize and kind of constructive criticize players that we really do want to succeed because we root for the Chicago bears. And we all were thrilled when Justin Fields fell to the bears. Can we as Bears fans just not be so damn sensitive when it comes to people criticizing the quarterback? I mean, geez, I'm really getting I'm really getting sick of it. If somebody has a take that, ooh, that was a bad play by Justin Fields, there's 10 other people. Yeah, well, the coaching sucks. Yeah. And I'm not saying like anybody here is doing it. Like Jack's got great points. I mean, clearly, I mean, Jack's one of the smartest football people I know, but it's just the people on Twitter specifically that are just coming out like, yeah, well, you're just a hater. You, you don't think fields can do anything and we're going to white knight for him. It's okay to be, to criticize and it's okay to have that constructive criticism. And it's honestly okay to have some feelings of uncertainty about it. I, I just don't want this thing to come up where we have an off season where everybody is just railing on each other for hating on fields for, you know, people who just unequivocally love Justin Fields it's just exhausting sometimes. And I think we're, we're, I'm getting to a breaking point where I'm like, look, just get me to September, 2022. Let's see a new coach and let's restart and hope, pray to God that everything that we hope and dream actually happens. And Justin Fields becomes that savior that we've all longed for. 
and I think you just answered what my question was going to be was basically, I think at least we're all on the same page that those folks that are tweeting, he's not the one, right? Or, you know, that, that, that he's worse than Mitch or that, right? Like it was just a whiff, like that he's somehow just straight up bad. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. That's just not true. I, I can go with wait and see, you know, I can go with all the other factors, but to, to just cancel him out already, no way, like no way. Well, I, I think we've even had a couple Packer fan friends and Viking fan friends and Lion fan friends that have all said the same thing. Like he's shown some traits that he could definitely be the guy. He, I think we've already said it. He, he's just trying to do too much uh, at this point and that indecisiveness and all of that. It's already been said, let's move on. I want to say this last week, I was critical of this guy um, and you guys kind of brought me back to earth a little bit. It was Tevin Jenkins. Uh, just very quickly. Do you feel that this guy is going to be the left tackle? I know it may still be a wait and see, um, but I just thought I saw significant improvement from last week to this week. No, I, I do. Uh, you, you nailed it. Significant improvement. I think once he realized that he was going to be the starter, got some tape on there, he was able to see his play and sort of tweak it. Remember he had no live reps last week against the Packers was his first live game action in the NFL, no preseason, no training camp, nothing. So the fact that he had, I think as good of an improvement from week 14. Yeah. this week 14 to week 15 says a lot, especially considering the Vikings defensive line is one of the best in the NFL. They lead the, I believe they lead the lead league in sacks or they're up there. So I feel really good about Tevin Jenkins, just cut down on the penalties. That's all. And I think that's going to come because he's still learning fields his cadence and understanding his quarterback and playing with the guys around him. So yeah, I feel great about Jenkins and I feel great about Borum so far. From a football aspect. Agreed. I think that, you know, that there is a great deal of potentiality for him to be our left tackle from the intangible Part of it, him going over to protect Justin Fields, uh, I think that was great. It was seemed like a natural instinct uh, for him. Hey, I'm going to be your left tackle, and you're going to be my quarterback, and it's going to be my job to protect you. So if somebody takes what looks like maybe even close to a late hit on the sidelines, my ass is going to be over there, <laughs> and I'm going to do something about it. Uh, you know, I, I think what Effetti did in response, and the fact that there weren't any other white jerseys over there, says a lot about this team uh, and the deep flaws that are in this team. But I think Tevin Jenkins very possibly could be our left tackle. I just want to say one quick, one more thing about the Effetti thing. If you watch the clip when Jenkins is over there, you know, the person that actually calmly and collectively moves Jenkins away from the situation. It's David Montgomery. Yes. The thing was over. The, the situation was de-escalated and everything was fine. Then Effetti comes in and hits him, gets in his face. You can hear what he says to him as he's pushing him over to the sideline. David Montgomery showed real leadership. He's a real leader and deserves to be a captain next year. Jermaine Effetti didn't, and he's not going to be on this team next year anyway. You just nailed it. He won't be on this team anymore. Olin Cruz said it. I want to punch somebody in the mouth, punch somebody in the face. That's what I saw. Tevin Jenkins was nasty. That's one of the reasons why we were excited to see him potentially even in the first round. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Justin Fields has been getting late hits that the officials refused to call for some crazy reason. And he got up in his face. I loved it. I loved the heart there. All right, gentlemen, 
let's talk really quick. This podcast is getting a little bit long, but I don't care. We had two just enormous interviews. Uh, I, I can't believe this. When Brendan said he's getting Patrick Manley, Patrick's one of my, my favorite people to listen to talk about the Bears. He's just, he's seen it. You know, he spent a lot of time on the sidelines. When, when, you, when you say that, right, you know, because of his, the length of his career, but a long snapper only gets so many shots in a game. So he's watched a lot of offense. He's watched a lot of defense. He's been in meeting rooms. He's been around coaches. That dude is crazy smart. And to say that is probably the second biggest interview of the week. Like I, I, I just, it, it absolutely blows my mind. Jack and I got the opportunity to talk to Gary Fensick and phenomenal conversation was so generous with his time. We even got a little bit of time to talk. Uh, once the record button hit stop and just some really, really good stuff. Um, some just a great, great, great storyteller. Jack, I want to hear your thoughts on this, but one of the takeaways that I had was yes, we're a blog. Yes, we are a podcast, but it was kind of nice to hear one of the smartest dudes in football kind of reiterate some of the things that we have said throughout this season and, and also, you know, last season as well. Yeah, there was, I think some of our takes aren't crazy and that was good to know from, you know, again, I think on the Mount Rushmore of bear players, just in so many ways, it transcended just, you know, I don't even know what my expectations were, but you don't know what you're going to get until you start talking to, you know, uh, to the, to the player, to the guest. And, I just really, it was so personable and, and and smart and then would just tell a great story. And then I guess what I really loved was you could still see, I call it like a streak of Sandlot, like a little bit of toughness. Like that dude went for the juggler when he played free safety and you can still hear that in the way that he talks, you know, just again, very intelligent, you know, well-spoken. He's a bear. I mean, and, and he was talking to us. He, as a, as a child, you know, him and Matt Sui and, and uh, Gary Fensick, th- th- those guys were it, like iconic for me, early 80s when they sucked. And then finally, 85 when they won the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, it was we tried not to be fanboys, but that was it was really cool. I, I enjoyed it greatly. Good job to you, Ryan. And um, that was an amazing get uh, both of you guys actually to get Manley and Fensick in the same you know, week was pretty, pretty awesome. Brendan, I want to come to you specifically on this because you teed it up. And for all of you that are listening, you're, you're going to hear it later this week in, in that interview. Um, but the two talked about each other. And I just, that, that was just kind of a strange thing that I'm listening to your phenomenal interview with Patrick Manley, Brendan. And then, you know, he mentions by name, Gary Fensick, and then Gary Fensick names Patrick Manley. It just, it kind of boggles the mind, like where things have come from this podcast. It started basically, you know, in a conversation in an office to we're having an opportunity to talk to these guys, but, but, but Brendan, like, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on like the whole, you know, alumni bears, alumni talking with uh bears organization having some kind of role in that your kind of takeaway from that yeah absolutely i love the idea and i know as soon as so i mean to pull back the curtain i did 
I knew obviously that Gary Fentick was coming up and, you know, we didn't say anything, but when I was talking with Manley, he brought up Gary all on his own. And I just thought that was just the perfect lead in because Patrick talked a lot about how it's just so important that George even just reach out to some of the former players who really care about this team, who have poured their blood, sweat, and tears into this team and even just have a coffee or have a drink with them and say, Hey, like, let's just shoot the, you know what, and let's talk football and let's just, you know, you and me, like, tell me what's up. Tell me what you think, what, what we're doing right now. And really Patrick said that whole idea that he brought up about, you know, having alumni as an advisor or just even a sounding board came up when he taught, when he heard Gary specifically talk, he said, Gary would be the perfect person for this. I think you have you have so many guys that come in and out of that locker room over the course of years in the NFL. And a lot of them just have so many ties to the Bears. I can't fathom why an NFL owner wouldn't want to talk to one of those people who has been in the locker room for countless days, months, years. Somebody like Gary, somebody like Patrick, who was at one point, I think he still is, the longest tenured Chicago Bear. From 1998 to 2013, you know how much crap that guy's seen, both good and bad? Don't you think you'd want to say like, hey, man, what do you think about what we're doing here? What have you seen? What's worked? What doesn't? It it boggle, it really does boggle the mind. And it just shows how out of touch this ownership group is. And it just sounds like from hearing these two guys talk, they probably agree. I mean, it's just uh, the bottom line is like that's, my impression was that's not going to happen. They're the Bears, the McCaskies. They're not asking for input from former players, and it's, it's not likely that that's going to happen in the future. In some ways, I can understand that because, you know, I could almost see like too many cooks in the kitchen type of thing. Like, who who are you going to tap for information? And and in some instances, are you going to get some crazy town ideas? I think your points are excellent. You're not going to get that from, you know, either the two guys that we're talking about right now, but, but think about like the record when, when McCaskey needs what he thinks is expert advice, where does he go? He outsources. So he doesn't go to like current bears players and he doesn't go to a network of like NFL, you know, personnel because there isn't one, you know? And so like, that's what was scary is it kind of like he's, he's, he's kind of in a corner he might ask other owners like, their opinions and maybe Pace and may- maybe Nagy and maybe the people in the building, but that's it. And, and, and for me, that made it a lot clearer as to why it's so broken. So we all have day jobs, right? Have you ever maybe gone to like a conference, you know, a, a learning seminar or something because you're like, hey, I, I need to get better. I, I need to hear from somebody else. And I need to step out of my comfort zone to understand what I'm doing because you're always learning. We've done, we've all done this, right? Yes. Without a doubt. Yes. Absolutely. Why, why can't the bears owners do the same damn thing? Talk with other people. It's, I feel like I'm just repeating myself. We are, we're all repeating ourselves because we as well, I guess I'm getting to middle-aged. <laughs> I'm, I'm essentially middle-aged at this point, but I mean, we all see it. The fans see it. Why can't I love how Patrick Manley said it? He said the fortress of Hallis Hall. It is a fortress and you just don't get any outside ideas in there. Those walls are impenetrable. Maybe just lower the uh, the drawbridge a little bit. Let some 
let some other voices in because you clearly need it. We've all gone to these seminars. Maybe it's time you do your own thing like that, George, and I guess Ted for a little bit longer. All right, gentlemen, we have gone on to talk about the Bears for a very long time, and there's a lot more to talk about. Next week, I I would love to talk about this changing roster. There's a lot of big names that are possibly going to be gone next year. We will get to that next week uh, after the Bears battle the Seahawks. That's going to be a thing that happens next week. Time to get to shout outs. So let's go, Jack, Brendan, and I will finish it up. Shout outs for this week, boys. First shout out has to go to your father-in-law, Harvey Rose, for being instrumental in landing the Gary Fensick interview. Thank you so much, Harvey. I would just keep saying it and saying it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was really, it was really fantastic, and we appreciate you greatly. I've, you guys have probably shouted out Zero Dark Forty before. He's a Roar of the Lions. Uh, you know, Detroit fan, yes, but he is very interactive and I think really follows not only his team, but, uh, you know, all the teams and he's, he's pretty savvy. Uh, and so he's had some great interactions on, on Twitter this week uh, with uh, zero dark 40. He's zero underscore dark underscore F-O-R-T-Y. Steve Collins does great work. He also writes for NFL Scotland. Wonderful guy. My shout outs quickly, of course, go to Patrick Banley. Uh, thank you to him for spending 20 minutes with me. Shout out to Zebra Technologies as well uh, for making it all happen. Uh, if you don't follow Zebra, they just have incredible advanced stats. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the data that we have now. Uh, but shout out to them uh, for making all that that interview possible, really. Shout out to Bears Girl. So Bears Girl, a.k.a. Nancy, is one of the best follows on Twitter, I love her story. I love just how passionate of a Bears fan she is. Uh, she's uh, she's Canadian, eh? And I, I was so happy for her that she was able to come to Chicago, I think for the first time in a few years with COVID. She was able to attend the game. She was just documenting it all on Twitter and just so happy to see her really connect with a ton of Bears fans in the area. So shout out to Bears Girl. You can follow her at Bears GRL 80 and shout out to my guy, Jonathan hand, Jonathan. I've shouted him out a few times on this podcast. He just got married and I'm so happy for him and his wife. One of the best bears fans out there. One of the best, really just people you can interact with on Twitter. And he's really been there for me over the last few months uh, as you know, some hard stuff came up obviously uh, with my dog passing and I'm just really thrilled to, you know, call him a friend and just want to shout him out and congratulate him and his wife, his now wife. And uh, hopefully they have, they spend many, many years together and they can maybe have some happier times as a Bears fan because he definitely deserves it. I'm going to keep all of my shout outs uh, local. My, my first one goes to Brendan Chagru. Uh, Brendan uh, has just been phenomenal on this podcast. He's just brought an energy that is just, just makes it so much more fun. Um, and obviously he's bringing in some big names too to the podcast. And it's just been really cool to, to be able to, to, to see some of these names that have come through. Um, he does such good work. He, he writes, he, he is all things bears and I am going to brag about him, right. To the opportunity to, to have him on this podcast, you know, there were some conversations behind closed doors, um, 
via text message. Nobody has closed door meetings anymore, but through some text messages that, man, can we get Brendan to, to, to hop in on this? And he has been a part of that. Uh, so, so that's definitely my, my first big shout out, Brendan. So thankful that you are here. You are part of this, this podcast. The next one goes to, and he's not here. He's sick. Patrick Sheldon, I wish he was here to hear it, but uh, he has been screaming for Thomas Graham Jr. to get a shot over Kendall Vildor and every other other uh, Bears cornerback that's out there that isn't named Jalen Johnson and finally got it. And look, look what happened. Thomas Graham had a really, really, really bad preseason and he looked awesome. So we'll see what happens. And then of course, my last one goes to Jack Wright, right-hand man. We've been doing this for a long time. We got, uh, we, we got fanboyed. I think you'll hear it in the interview that we stayed very professional, but at the very end, we just, we were glowing and it just reminded me, why am I a Bears fan? And I actually, I got to be careful. I hope Gary never reads it, but I actually wrote a little bit about never wanting to hear about the 1985 bears ever again. And it was a 1985 bear that brought back my passion. You heard it on this podcast, San Francisco 49ers, that game ruined me. And it made me stop thinking about, do I want to continue to be a bears fan? And Gary Fensick made me a bears fan again. Truly. That's, that's, that's not hyperbole. That is absolute truth. Folks, this has been a long podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review because that really helps to widen our audience. But if you've loved it, you know you can go to beardownreport.com. You can go to the podcast section, click on any one of the episodes. There's a donate button. You can buy us a round of beers. We would love it. If you do donate, let us know so we can shout you out on this podcast. For Brendan Shigrew, Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, who's not even here, Logan Bradley, he's still out there somewhere. We don't know where, but he's out there somewhere and we're thinking about him big time uh for all of us at bear down report thank you so much folks and as always bear down